1: The minister received a letter from the governor welcoming him to open a city council meeting in a word of prayer. This letter also requested that the minister pray generically so as not to offend people of other religious persuasions. The minister accepted the call. The day of the event, he took his place at the podium and began to pray. Father, I want to thank you for this opportunity to pray before the city council. I would like to thank you, first of all, for creating them, because if they were not here... Then they could not take on this responsibility. According to your word, everything created was created by Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for creating government. Government is an institution of God. According to the Apostle Paul, who met Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road. And Lord, if there are any city council people here today who do not understand that Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, died a substitutionary death for them, and bodily arose from the dead, would you please make this clear to them? I ask that you bless their proceedings today in the name of Jesus. Amen. The governor approached the minister after his prayer and expressed his disappointment in how the minister had imposed his religion on other people. And the minister gently replied, I don't do neutral prayers. I don't do Muslim prayers. I don't do Buddhist prayers. I do Christian prayers because I'm a Christian. And that means to follow Jesus Christ and the truth of his word. Like this minister, the prophet Elijah took a stand for the living God, declared his truth, and challenged the neutrality and compromise around him in Israel in his day. Now the prophet Elijah's ministry began with him suddenly and boldly confronting Israel's ungodly king Ahab, and when he did, he gave him a weather report. Elijah declared that because of Ahab's apostasy and idolatry, that God would not allow it to rain for years, and that this severe drought would not end until Elijah said so. Elijah's message of judgment in preventing rain from coming on the land demonstrated that God was challenging the power of the false god Baal, who was being worshipped by Ahab and most all of Israel at that time. Baal was the god of the rains and fertility, who supposedly controlled the crops and productivity of the land. And by this drought, God demonstrated that He alone is the one true and living God who had power over the rain and the dew. And under the law, Israel had been warned that the Lord would withhold rain from the land if they turned from Him to serve other gods. And Israel was reaping what they had sowed. Deuteronomy 11, 16-17 reads, "...take heed to yourselves." That your heart be not deceived, and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shut up the heaven, that there be no rain. Having made his dramatic and devastating announcement to Ahab, Elijah then was hunted by Ahab. Ahab. 1 Kings 18.10 speaks of the extent that Ahab searched for him. It says that there is no nation or kingdom whither Ahab hath not sent to seek Elijah. But after three and a half years of this drought, Elijah courageously appears before Ahab. 1 Kings eighteen seventeen through 19 read, And it came to pass, when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou, and thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send, and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. When Ahab finally meets with Elijah, he calls Elijah the one that troubleth Israel. But Elijah doesn't back down, and he thunders right back at at Ahab that it was he, Ahab, not him, that brought this trouble on Israel through forsaking God's law and worshiping a false God. Not much has changed, as believers today are often blamed for the problems in the world when the real problem is sin. Ahab and Israel needed to know and see that the God of heaven and earth reigns supreme. And so Elijah asks for a public meeting with the people of Israel. Elijah also requested that Ahab send to this meeting 400 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the groves, or literally of Asherah, a false female goddess and consort of the false god Baal. Ahab's wife Jezebel personally cared for and supported these 850 prophets. Elijah asks for the location of the meeting to be Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel was located near the border of northern Israel and Phoenicia. It was a good place for the Phoenician false god Baal to meet Jehovah, the God of Israel, the only true God. Mount Carmel was regarded by the Phoenicians as the sacred dwelling place of Baal. So what you see here is Elijah's even giving Baal home field advantage, you could say. So the showdown was set between the worship of the living God and a dead false god, Baal. 1 Kings eighteen twenty through 21 read... So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel, and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people, and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, Not a word." Ahab agrees to Elijah's request for a meeting. He then sends out a decree throughout the northern kingdom of Israel, asks for the people's presence at Mount Carmel. We can be certain that likely thousands from all of its ten tribes attended and gathered at Mount Carmel along with the prophets of Baal. Elijah then cries out to this large crowd, How long halt ye between two opinions? In other words, How long will you waver? How long will you vacillate and remain lukewarm and worship two gods? He tells them that they cannot continue with this divided allegiance. Some were undecided about which one to serve. Some were trying to serve both Jehovah and Baal, seeking to combine the worship of the living God with the worship of Baal. But Elijah says you can't have it both ways. It's time to decide if the Lord is God, then follow him and serve him with your whole heart. If Baal is God, then follow him. Baalism would accommodate other gods, but not Jehovah, as he demanded the loyalty, the worship, the service rightfully due to him alone, the one true God. Rightly so, God is a jealous God because there are no other gods but him alone, like Moses and Joshua before him, Elijah, calls for Israel to make a decision and take a stand for the Lord. In Exodus thirty-two twenty-six, Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Joshua challenged the Israelites, Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served. Choose you this day. Whom ye will serve, whether the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell? And then he says, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God calls each of us to make a settled decision, to follow him, to take a stand for him, and to serve and worship him faithfully. In response to Elijah's challenge, the people don't answer, and they remain uncommitted. They lack conviction. It's been said they were lingering in the neutral zone. They were very much like the lukewarm Laodicean church in the future day of the Lord. The Lord didn't have good things to say about this group of people. Revelation 3, 15-16 reads, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou work cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot. I will spew thee out of my mouth. We learn by all of this that God doesn't want us to have a divided allegiance or to remain in a lukewarm state of non-commitment. God wants us to fully commit ourselves to Him and to serve Him with our whole heart. 1 Kings eighteen twenty-two to 25 read, Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are four hundred and fifty men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first, for ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. Elijah stands here on Mount Carmel, outnumbered, 450 to one. But he had got on his side, so he was a majority. At his trial before Nero, Paul wrote in 2 Timothy four sixteen to 17 At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Like the Lord stood with the Apostle Paul, the Lord stands here with Elijah and strengthened him. And the Lord stands with us when we take a stand for him. And he gives us the strength. One author wrote, the world is crying out, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And the answer is that he is where he has always been. The real question is, where are the Elijahs? Here we see one voice, one man speaking out and standing alone for God. It would have been much easier for him to keep quiet. Are we willing to do that? To be that one voice for the Lord and standing strong for him and for his truth. Elijah lays out a plan here that was going to provide undeniable proof that the Lord is the true God. And he even weighs the test in favor of the prophets of Baal. He lets them build their altar first. He lets them select their sacrifice first and offer it first. Elijah calls for two bulls to be killed and cut up and placed on wood for a sacrifice without lighting the fire underneath. Then they would be given all the time they needed to call on Baal and he would do the same. Elijah states that the deity that responded by sending fire upon the slaughtered bull would unequivocally be proven to be the true God. Now the people finally speak up and say it is well spoken or sounds good to me. That's a good idea. Fire from heaven was thought plausible by those who believed in this false deity along with the fact that they had 400 of 450 of his zealous prophets who would be praying to him for it compared to only one praying to Jehovah.
0: We'll be returning to the program in just a minute, but first we'd like to take this time to thank you our partners for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to Society.org.
2: Moses and Paul, the Dispensers of Law and Grace is a paperback 86-page book written by Pastor Cornelius R. Stamm. Here is a simple approach to dispensational truth that should prove both refreshing and helpful to you in your study of the Word of God. Paul's message and ministry was distinct and separate from that of the Twelve. He was committed to the doctrine and program for a new dispensation, the dispensation of the grace of God. The failure to recognize this important fact lies as the root of the confusion which has gripped the church for so long. And Moses and Paul helps to dispel this confusion. To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org To receive our free
0: full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin.
1: First Kings eighteen twenty six to twenty nine read, And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us! But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them, and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or Peradventure he sleepeth, and must be awaked. And they cried aloud, and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets, till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass, when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice, nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. After preparing the bull they chose and the wood for the sacrifice, the prophets of Baal began calling out to their God, and they kept calling, and they kept calling, and they kept calling. They call out to Baal all morning until noon with no response. Oh, Baal, hear us, they said. Nothing happened. Oh, Baal, answer us. No fire. No response. The silence in the sky above was deafening. In desperation, they turned fanatical and they began leaping upon the altar and literally leaping uh, around it too. And they start jumping up and down, frantically dancing around, crying out, begging, trying to do anything to attract Baal's attention. And that's a blessing about our relationship with God. That you don't have to do anything like that to get God's attention. You have God's attention every single moment. He cares deeply about each of us, and He is interested in every single area of our lives. We know when we turn to Him in prayer that He is always there, always listening, and He is waiting for our prayer. Finally, at noon, Elijah can no longer contain himself. (laughs) I picture Elijah leaning against the tree, arms crossed, watching them jump around, making a fool out of themselves. It's a humorous scene, but it's also a sad scene because they were spiritually blind and deceived. All of this becomes too much for Elijah, and he begins mocking them in verse 27. He says, cry aloud or speak up. Maybe you're not crying out loud enough. Or perhaps he can't hear you because he's talking, which literally means he's meditating. Maybe he's musing. Maybe he's deep in thought. so yell, guys, to get his attention. Maybe he's pursuing, he says, or he's busy, he's preoccupied with other matters. In other words, maybe he's so weak he can't do two things at once. Sarcastically, Elijah then says, Maybe he can't hear you because he's traveling, and he's gone on vacation, and he's not even home. Perhaps he's sleeping, he says. Maybe it's time for his afternoon siesta, and he's taking a nap, and you have to wake him up. And then you think about the living God, who is everywhere at once, always present, always caring, who's never busy, never preoccupied, who never grows weary, Psalm 121 verse4 says, "Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep." Hoping to stir Baal to action and get his pity now, the prophets begin cutting and mutilating themselves with knives and with lances. These 450 prophets continued to call out and rave on to Baal until just before the time of the evening sacrifice at 3 pm. But there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. And the heavens were brass, and these exhausted, bloody, humiliated men then collapsed. First Kings 18, verses 30 to 35 read, And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order, and cut the bullock in pieces, and laid him on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, Do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. Finally, Elijah then steps forward and calmly took charge. He called the people of Israel together to draw near to himself, and they obeyed. They drew near to him. He then rebuilt an altar of the Lord, which was on the site, but in disrepair, either because of lack of use or having been destroyed by Baal's prophets. Elijah then put twelve stones around that altar, representing the twelve tribes of Israel, united as one nation as God intended. This was to remind them that they were all still God's people. Even after the division into the two kingdoms between the ten tribes in the north of Israel and the two tribes in the south of Judah, they were still one people in God's purposes with the same Lord, one destiny, and one name. Elijah then digs a deep trench around that altar. He carefully arranges the wood in order, cuts up the bull laid it on the wood. Elijah had given the Baal prophets many advantages, and now in addition, he gives himself some disadvantages. He directs that four barrels should be filled with water, and then pour it all over the sacrifice in the wood. After this was done the first time, Elijah says, do it again. After it was done a second time, Elijah says, do it again. This soaked... And drenched the sacrifice, it drenched the wood, the ground around it, and the deep trench was also filled with water. First Kings eighteen thirty-six to 39 read, And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. Now, at the time of the evening sacrifice, Elijah prays to God with no theatrics, no shouting, no pleading, no jumping and dancing around the altar, no repetition of the same words over and over again. He prays a plainly spoken request. He prays to the covenant-keeping God, the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, or literally Jacob, requesting that he be glorified as the true and living God. That thou art God in Israel, he says. He prayed that he, Elijah, be known as the servant of the living God, and that all he had done had been in obedience to his word and not by his own initiative. And he asked that the Lord show the people that he alone is God, so that this might turn the hearts of the people back to himself. Deuteronomy 4.24 says, "...For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God." And in response to Elijah's simple prayer, immediately a consuming glorious fire flashed and fell from heaven and devoured the offering, the wood, the stones, the dust, the soil around it, and the water in the trench even. And in a moment it was all consumed. The fire was consuming." And the fire was convincing. And the immediate response of the people was that they hit their knees and fell on their faces and their hearts were turned back to Jehovah and they acknowledged that the Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. And now there remained only one altar with wood and a cut-up bull on it as a monument to the fallacy of idolatry and serving and worshiping anyone but the true God. On the other side, there was nothing left, which showed that the Lord, He is the God. A. W. Tozer once said, "Whoever is on God's side is on the winning side and cannot lose. Whoever is on the other side is on the losing side and cannot win." We see that so clearly in this showdown with Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Hebrews 11 speaks of the heroes of the faith of those who wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. And then it says, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts, mountains, and in caves of the earth. This description includes Elijah. Elijah took a stand for God. God honored that stand. The world was not worthy of Elijah. We can be like him. As God transforms our lives by His grace. We too, like Elijah, can trust the Lord implicitly, live for Him passionately, and take a stand for Him. Thank you for watching this episode of Transformed by Grace.
0: For nearly 80 years, the Berean Bible Society has endeavored to encourage believers everywhere to study God's Word.
1: With this foundation, the believer is equipped to grow spiritually and energized to effectively share the gospel. Through the tools of both traditional and electronic media, we are positioned to reach our world well into the coming generations. Streaming lessons, printed materials, audio teachings, and daily devotionals are all available at the BereanBibleSociety.org to have God's free gift of salvation on the authority of the Word of God. All you need to do is trust that Christ died for your sins personally and that He rose again. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. At that moment in time, when you place your faith in Christ alone to save you from your sins, You are declared righteous forever by God. You are forgiven of all of your sins. You are given the free gift of eternal life. And you have the sure hope of heaven. And nothing will ever separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. If you've never made this decision, please trust Christ to save you right now.
0: Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.